one of our Rama graduates that travels all over the world, Christopher Alam. Some of you might know who Christopher is. He recently sent this out to those who are on his mailing list. He said, this happened some years before I received Jesus. I was a cadet. My dad was a lieutenant colonel commanding a field artillery regiment. Whenever I was on leave, I used to take my 22 rifle and go shooting small game in the outskirts of the regimental lines. One day, as I was walking through the snake-infested, overgrown jungle of trees, vines, and bushes in the area, I stumbled upon a crumbling old wall. I climbed over the wall and found myself in an ancient, abandoned cemetery. I began to read the inscriptions on the gravestones. They were very old, some from the late 1700s, early 1800s. Some graves stood alone. Others were in pairs. Some were entire families buried side by side, husbands and wives with children in graves of varying sizes. As I read the inscriptions, I understood that these were the graves of Englishmen and Scotsmen who had come to India as missionaries who had died on the mission field. After reading the inscriptions, I walked away from there. As the years went, I, I forgot all about that place. Decades later, one day, the Holy Spirit reminded me of that old crumbling and abandoned cemetery in Punjab. I did not know anything then. I did not know anything then, but today I know something about the history of missions to that region. Missionaries from England and Scotland, full of zeal for Jesus and for the gospel, answered the call of God and left everything and took their families with them to the field. With all the diseases going around in those days, the rate of attrition was very high. These missionaries knew that the chances of their coming back home were almost nil. So they packed their belongings in wooden coffins instead of cases or trunks. They preached the gospel facing terrible odds and most died on the field, preaching to the lost rather than quit. Their families died with them. I remember the graves of one and two-year-old children buried beside their parents. Today, their bones lie forgotten in an abandoned old cemeteries all over the foreign field, thousands of miles away from home. England and Scotland have forgotten them, but they are known in heaven where their names shine brightly as the stars in the sky. As they lie in their graves, they're waiting to hear the sound of the trumpet when Christ returns. They were buried in weakness, but they shall rise in glory. As a new believer, the stories of such men and women moved me, inspired me. We who have given our lives to the preaching of the gospel to the lost today carry the heritage left behind by those heroes of old. We are reaping with joy the harvest from the precious seed that they sowed with tears. Our lives are far easier and more comfortable than theirs, but we still have, a, have to pay a price, and that is to lay down our own ambitions and lives and take up the cross and follow Jesus. We are treading on paths of glory, following the blood-stained footsteps of our master and of his saints who gave everything for the sake of the gospel. He said this, tonight my thoughts go back to those whose bodies lie in the fa that forgotten cemetery outside the, the old regimental lines in that field artillery, artillery regiment. I can hear the, our Lord saying, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I can hear him say, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will, will lose his life for my sake, the same shall, say, shall save it. In the words, and he mentions his old, uh, a mentor of his, George uh, uh, Verwer, who God used to light the fire of missions in my heart, come, live, die. Praise the Lord. I want to talk to you tonight about the grace to serve. I want us to open up for you. We'll go to Hebrews chapter 12, if you would, with me. The grace of God to serve. You know, I think some, somehow, because of sometimes the way 
messages are preached and things are preached and you know by those and I understand as they're preaching that they have a different you know they're, 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 you can't preach everything in one sermon or one series but uh, somehow I think that uh, as Christians and especially as whatever we are Christians I don't know I, I think every time you add a tag to yourself you just diminish yourself to somebody else you prejudice yourself to somebody else I heard a man say one time, he was a, a, a Baptist, Southern Baptist evangelist, fiery evangelist, and he, got, he hung around some spirit-filled folks. You know how it is, you kind of fall in. And uh, he said, but please don't call me. He said, don't tag me with anything. He said, because if you do that, then this folks won't listen to me. If you do that, then these won't listen to me. Just call me a Christian. Amen? We're Christians. We're children of the Most High God. But we have to make a choice. You know, we don't automatically become the servant of God. You have to choose to be the servant of God. In fact, most of the time the word servant as it's used in the New Testament means someone who willingly gives up their life to serve another. Or someone who didn't willingly <laughs> give up their life to serve another. And, uh, but it carries that, that idea of bond servant. I owe something. Now, we may not owe, owe anything to anybody in the world, but to do what Pastor mentioned this morning, we owe everyone to love them. And the only way to love them is to, is to take God to them. They're not, listen, some folks will come, but not very many. We have to take it to them. We have to take this love of God to them. To serve God is to serve people. Amen. Now, what is, what, is one of the ma- what is probably the major characteristic of God? He is what? Love. And so, to love God, I have to love people. Uh, it's an interesting statement here in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. I'm going to read this from the King James Bible. It says this, Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. How many of you are glad to be part of the kingdom of God? And we have received our inheritance here on earth, but how many of you know there's still more to come? It cannot be moved. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. It's going on to make this point there that because of the way, yes, God meets all of our needs. He heals our bodies. He, the gospel's free, right? You, you can't earn your salvation. Isn't that, isn't that correct? There's nothing. But don't get the idea that there's not a sacrifice to be made to live out the calling that's on your life. And you have a calling tonight. Tell your neighbor right now, you have a calling. Amen. You know, sometimes we, we don't, uh, we see things the way they are now. And, you know, we look at things, even around here, you see things the way they are now. And you don't know, you don't see the sacrifices that were made and are made on a daily basis by those who we see in leadership. But those who made a decision, just like those that packed everything in a coffin, this is going to go, if I have to get rid of everything I have and sell everything I have, this place Rhema is going to go because it's a godly mandate to do it. God has a mandate and a purpose for your life. Now, here's the good news. He's, he's given you grace to be able to do it. Turn over to 1 Peter chapter 4 with me. I've got, you might notice I've got two Bibles up here. One's a King James Bible and then one's the New Living Translation. I want to use both of them in some of these scriptures. 
Some people ask me about, well, what do you study? I always study out of the King James Bible. If I use the other translations, it's that. But if I do study, I always keep a King James Bible around. Why? Because I speak such good King James English. English. I don't even speak American. You just heard that. I don't even speak really good American English. You know, okay. I need a rewind button, if I could sometimes, to take back words that are no words. Sometimes I make up words. Yeah. I know what they mean, but they don't, no one else does. But uh, uh, I always like to have the King James. It, it is the Bible that is as close, I think, to some of the original manuscripts, but it's also my baseline because that's where I got started. And so I like to look at things. Sometimes, you know, some of these other versions, bless their hearts, they just they don't, to me, they don't have some of the import. But then other times, man, it just expands, explodes, all right? First uh, Peter chapter 4, verse 10, as every man, that's every, every child of God, has received the gift. Now, the word gift there is the word charisma, charisma. Now, I know some of you think, the magazine? No, no, not the magazine. Charisma is a word that comes from the word grace. The word grace in the New Testament, the English word for the, for the Greek uh, uh, word is charis, C-H-A-R-I-S. Charisma is adding the M-A to the end of it, and it becomes a gift or an endowment of grace, a deposit of grace. Now, what's, what's that endowment of grace? What's that deposit of grace there for? It enables you to do by a supernatural endowment what you could not do in and of yourself. This is not a natural gift. This is not just somebody's natural giftings. This is a supernatural endowment of the grace of God that enables you to do what you could not do if you didn't have this grace. Now, if you, I think if you've taken two steps towards the will of God for your life, you realize you've got to have some help. Amen? And God's grace is that. Now, I know by grace we're saved, but grace didn't end, and God didn't run out saving us. His grace is an ongoing, continual influence in our life and empowerment in our life. Everyone has received the gift, the grace, the endowment of grace, the gift of grace. Even so, minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Many-sided, manifold grace of God. If anyone speak, speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers or serves, let him do it of the ability which God gives. Now, the word minister in verse 10 and the word minister in verse 11 come from the same word where we get the word deacon, to serve. It means to wait upon others. Now, here's the thing about that gift, that endowment of grace that's on the inside of you. It didn't come for your benefit. The charisma does not come to benefit me because all my needs are met by his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. All my needs are met because if I got a well of living water on the inside springing up into everlasting life. All my needs are met by this. But that endowment of grace comes to help me serve others. So the gift comes to serve. It, didn't come, it doesn't come to serve me. It's, in fact, it's not, you know, uh, it's not my calling. It's not my plan, it's God's. Now, I, I, I accept it as his for me, but it's not mine. It's not my purpose, it's his. And so that's why we become a steward of that grace. A steward. That's somebody who works for somebody 
And they are given stewardship over what belongs to the one they work for. It doesn't belong to you. It's not yours to do with what you want. You must use it with the purpose given to you in the instructions. And as long as you do it that way, right, then you are your steward. If, and he who's faithful in little would make faithful over much. Jesus told a couple, you know, uh, stories, parables about those that got one to five talents or, you know, smaller to one, five, and ten. But same story. The, those that had the most, they invested what they had, put it to use, and they got back more. But the one person hid theirs. You know, that's like the person says, well, you know, what God's called, I, I'm not really called to, you know, I'm not called to preach. Listen, if you're not called to preach, you know what I want you to do? Thank God. Yeah, thank God if you're not called to preach. There's one thing you don't ever have to worry about. Amen. See, there's, there's more to these charismas than just preaching ability. In fact, the majority, the majority of those, think about a local church, the majority of the people in the local church aren't going to ever get in the pulpit. But everybody has a part. Everybody has a place. Everybody has a gift from God. Manifold, many, many aspects, many-sided grace of God. He said, serve one another. If, you, if you're going to serve, do it with the ability which God gives. I, that word give, there's an interesting word. It, it, it comes from the word to choreograph. And so we need to find out what God, in that day, if you, if you were to choreograph a play or a musical, you, you wrote the script, you hired, every, you hired the actors, you, you, uh, you, you did the costumes, you did everything, you paid them, you fed them, you did everything. Part of God's plan is to meet all of your needs so that you can go do what he needs you to do. Right? Now, you think about it. Now, I used to hear people say, now, I understand, you know, when people trying to get, you know, you can try to encourage people to do you know, do something, but be negative about it. You're never going to get anybody to do anything by, by condemning them. And besides that, in Christ, there is no condemnation. So using condemnation is to be a tool of the devil instead of, of God. Okay. I used to people say, well, God's not going to heal you. So you can sit on the couch and watch TV. Well, you show me the Bible where it says, if you will quit watching TV, God will heal you. But I will say this, a healed body is necessary to do what God called you to do. It's just not so you can feel good. Well, moving right along, let me read this out of the, uh, out of the New Living. Maybe you'll like it better in the New Living, okay? Let's go over here. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. See, these aren't natural gifts. These are spiritual gifts. Use them well, notice this, to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Praise God. See, what's the end game? Bringing glory to God. Bringing glory to God. Lifting. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. You know, really, and, and you find this out in ministry, uh, it doesn't matter if your name ever gets called. If anybody can ever pronounce, well, you got a name like mine, not, you know, Tad, no, even people mispronounce that, okay? In parts of Brazil, I'm Taji. 
okay? I've been called Todd, Ted, you know, everything, it's all right. But then you have Gregorich. My family doesn't even agree on how to say it. Some say Gregorich, no you. Others say Gregorich. Doesn't matter. Just call me when you need me, right? I don't care what you call me. Just call me when you... So, you, you know, uh, it doesn't... Uh, uh, you know, my daughter in, had a substitute teacher one year at, uh, down here at Oliver Middle School. Her name is Emily Renee. Now, she's Redmond now, but was Gregorich then. But, and so this, this that substitute teacher called her name Emily Rennie Greengrunch. Her friend, who later was the captain of the football team, the starting quarterback, and played college football at Northeast State, fell in the floor laughing. He called her Green Grunch. Still to this day, he would call her Green Grunch if he ever talked to her. Yeah. So, you know, but you know, you find out there's a lot of things. The most important about, about that, the most important thing is that God gets the glory. Not that your name gets known. If you be lifted up, no, one, no one's going to get saved because you're lifted up. You know, I, I tell this, in, in, it came as a revelation to me that uh, in, in looking at some different type of prejudices people were having, there was a, a, a big major event that took place in the world. And uh, I started looking at it because you had one group of people against another group of people. And, this, and still, it's the common thing, you know, throughout. When the, since man's fall, man has been against other men, mankind. And... Uh, I was started looking at it and I, I, I came to this realization, and this was by the Spirit of God. There's, there's really only two families of people in the earth those in Christ. And so, if you're in Christ, if you're a Christian, you're my brother or my sister in, in Christ. We're family. We're family. Glory to God. If you're not in Christ, you're why I'm still on the earth. It's why we're all still on the earth. Think about it. I didn't put it in my, in my scriptures, guys, but look over there. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, please. Ephesians chapter 2. I'm in the King James here. Ephesians 2.19. Ephesians 2.19 says, Now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners. Any of you ever been a foreigner somewhere? Yeah. You ever been someone you didn't speak the language? Didn't look like anybody else? Right? Now, the common thing you have, let's go eat something. Maybe we can eat something that we like together. But, you know, we don't talk. We you can't, can't communicate hardly. That you're a stranger and a foreigner there. But he said, you're no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. I am a citizen. You are a citizen of the household of God. Well, that makes me a citizen of heaven. Why, at 19 years old, on June 30th, 1980, when I confessed Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, because I believed it in my heart, that God raised him from the dead, and the moment I did, I knew something happened. I changed. Something happened to me. I, I could, it was tangible. I could feel it. Now, not everybody feels You don't have to feel anything, but I did. I knew something was different about me immediately. Why didn't I go to heaven right then? Because, because there's still people that need to hear. And so God has given each of us charismas. 
endowments of grace that we might serve. Now, we think about, you know, yes, we serve in our local, and we all need to serve in our local church. We all do. And I, I hope that you find a place that you can get involved and, you know, some, of, some folks, I understand some folks' services, their regular tithe, they give tithes and offerings, they support the church financially. But, you know, you ought to be looking for ways, you know. Some, some of you, you know, could, could, could really make great greeters. You could be connected to them. You could help usher. You could do a lot of things that aren't really going to, you know, take up your precious time. Amen. Amen. You could help out. You've got, and do it with the ability which God gives. Right? Boy, I'm going to jump around. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So why, do we, why are you still here? Why am I still here? Because there are others that need to hear the message. There are others that need to know that God loves them. That God is in, was in Christ, not counting their trespasses against them. That he's, God's not holding anything against you. Be reconciled to God because he has reconciled the world to himself through Jesus Christ. Yes, you are a sinner. Yes, you're separated from God. But God has a solution. It's not going to cost you anything. The price has already been paid. Why? Because he loves you dearly. He sent his son to die on your behalf so you wouldn't have to die. He sent his son to shed his blood so you wouldn't have to shed yours. He sent his son to bear the full burden of sin and separation from God so you no longer would have to be separated from God. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10, the apostle Paul talking here says, By the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God was with me. Notice this. It was bestowed upon him. Paul said, this grace was bestowed upon me. Other places he talked about how that God, had, by the grace of God, had put him in the ministry. That he, that he, had, that he was an apostle and a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ because of the grace of God. Not the saving grace of God. Yes, we all experience that. But because God had gifted him. Look what he said in Romans chapter 12. And see, this is, Paul's no different than you and I. In fact, a lot of us have a whole lot better background than Paul had. I haven't, I haven't put anybody to death or, you know, I haven't, you know, signed over people to prison because they disagreed with my, my beliefs. But he did. And then he had the audacity to tell the Corinthians one place, look at us, we have wronged no man. What? But he was a new man now in Christ. Here in Romans 12, 3, he says, for I say, notice this, through the grace given unto me. I say through the grace given unto me. How did Paul do what he did? By the grace of God. Now, yes, we're Christians. We could say this, I am what I am by the grace of God as a child of God, yes. But Paul wasn't talking about that in, in 1 Corinthians 15. He's talking about the ministry that he had, that God had called him to, the apostleship that he was in. Whatever God's called you to, you don't have to be an apostle to have the grace of God to function in life. Amen? 
You know, I know in, been involved in, in music and worship teams over the years and, and uh, uh, in church. Never before I did, well, I did play, I took one year of guitar lessons when I think I was in third or fourth grade. But other than that, nothing. I could use some lessons. I mean, if you ever saw me play or heard me play, you'd say, you need lessons. But, I, you know, I, I, can, I can play a few chords in that. But, uh, uh, never, you know, in working with people, there were some people that really, really didn't sing that well. They weren't bad, you know. But they didn't sing that well. But you wanted them on your worship team because they brought a presence. They had a gifting. The grace of God, when they sang, the grace of God was in manifestation. Amen? Now, you know, there's a lot of people in the world that can sing, you know. They don't S-I-N-G, they S-A-N-G. They sang, you know. But they don't, there's no anointing when they sing. There's no grace. There's no charisma involved. But he said, I, I, through the grace given unto me, each one has received the gift, as each one has received the gift. Look at Galatians chapter 2. You know, God, God called, even though Peter was the first one there in Acts chapter 10 that went to the Gentiles, but God had called him to minister primarily to the Jews. But Paul was called to minister to the Gentiles or those who were outside of Judaism. Okay? And it's interesting, you know, the apostle, he knew that. But if you read the book of Acts, and it's one of the things to, to kind of look at when you go through there. Every city it seemed like Paul went to, he'd go to the synagogue first. Why? Because he said, you know, if I could, if, if it was possible, I'd give up my salvation that all Jew, Judah, you know, that all the Hebrews would be saved, that they'd all be saved. But that wouldn't work, you know. But he'd go there. But it was those folks that always harassed him the most. But he was called to the Gentiles. Now, notice what he says in verse 8 and 9. For he that wrought or worked effectively in Peter the, for apostle, apostleship of the circumcision, that's the Jews, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas, or Peter and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship that we should go into the heathen and they into the circumcision. What did they perceive? The grace of God. The grace of God. Now, see, you may not realize it, but the moment you step into what God's called you, the grace of God's going to go into action. And the moment you take steps... All right? The moment you take steps, I hear, I hear graduates, alumni of, of the, you know, the college say all the time, oh, those were the best years of my life at Raymond. Now, that makes me sad. I don't think those should be the best years. They should be good years. Your best year should be right now. This is the best I've had. This is the best. Oh, I'm going through stuff, you know, trials, tribulations, you know, a lot of it, most of it caused by me. I wish I could blame it on the devil, but most of it's caused by me, but overcoming through Jesus, you know. And having a good wife, glory to God. That's some of your problems. You don't, anyway, that's a whole nother sermon. I'll leave that one for Pastor Bill to preach. All right. But, uh, you know, that's a, that's a, if you've got a godly wife, thank God for it. And, you, and learn to listen. Moving right along, that goes over real well. Let's, in, let's go back to Romans chapter 12. But, uh, these are the best days. I know why they think those were the best days, because when they were here, they were in God's will, and the grace of God was here. 
But you know, very few Rhema students have this testimony that when they went through Rhema, they just had all kinds of money, could do whatever they want, just made, you know, blah, blah, blah. There was, I remember one guy that he, he got a job at a car dealership, and he was making, this was, this was back in the, in the middle 80s, he's making six-figure money because he ended up being the head salesman at a car dealership here in town, doing really well. And then I didn't know anybody that could relate to that dude. He had money everywhere, seemed like. That was, you know... He said, I don't even really tell that part when I tell people I went to Rhema. I don't, you know, because. But why do you think it was so good? Because the grace of God was in operation. You were here and you're partaking. I mean, sometimes to get up every morning and get to class every day on time. You've got to trust in the grace of God. Oh, Lord, this is the day that you have made. You know, as you crawl out of bed. I didn't think I could move that thing, but I did. <laughs> Those workouts are working. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. But you do have to know your limits. I'm not going to try to pick it up. I'm going to tell you that right now. Romans 12, verse 6. Now help me out. Let's read Scripture. Get me out of this one. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. If it's prophecy or speaking by divine inspiration, do it according to the proportion of faith. Now, here's the thing about grace. In order for grace to benefit us, we have to come through the avenue of faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. Well, this this endowment of the Spirit, this grace, this charisma that each and every one of us have received, you have to have faith to step out and to do it and trust God. Now, that's one, again, because very few folks here, you know, uh, it seems like in, even in the whole Tulsa area are actually from Tulsa. Some folks moved here and had their kids here, but their kids, you know, they, it's because they moved here, especially around this place, right? People moved here. But, you know, it took a step of faith. I know that in February of 2000, when we moved here, after being, you know, associate pastor at two different churches there, moved here, it took a... It took a, a a great, and it seemed that was probably one of the greatest steps of faith we ever had to take. I mean, we didn't have the money to move, even move. But somehow, I don't know how, I don't know how we paid our bills. I don't know where that money came. I don't know. Wasn't like pe- people weren't walking up to me handing me money. That's why I let Amanda handle all that because she can take care of it. I can spend money. Amen. Some of you laughing, but anyway. But it took, us, it took a, that step of faith. Well, that step of faith led to other things. Amen. It, by faith, you know, man who went over and got a job at ORU and started teaching at Oral Roberts University. By faith, she left that to come here to work at the ministry here. By faith, you know, we were, we, we knew ch- changes, and by, by faith, stepped into this role that we're in now in 2008. By faith. Whatever you're going to do, whatever God's called you to do right now where you are, it takes faith to be where you are, but it's going to take faith to go to that next thing. But don't confuse grace and faith. Grace is the empowerment. It's the ability. Paul said that grace was in me 
He said, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God in me. Just because you have the gift, and here's only end with this tonight because we don't have time. This is the last thing. Yes, we're endowed with the grace of God. And I, I kind of alluded to this earlier about the sacrifice. But in order for you to fulfill what God's called you to do, you are going to have to do something. And the Apostle Paul and James and Peter all, they all talk about working. Paul even said, if you want to eat, work. Yeah. Now, you hear people say, oh, I just love to work. I love to go to work. I love you. I just want to slap those people sometimes. Because, you know, every day you get up, you don't just love to go to work. I don't care where you work on this earth. Right? Now, I'm not saying there's anything bad. I don't have any bad stories. I'm not, okay, don't, well, I wonder what's going, nothing. You need to control your thought life, you people. But I'm just saying, every day you don't feel like, how many married folks, raise your hands. Let me see your hands. Do you, you feel married? Every morning you wake up, you just feel married? I, I would answer, brother, but my wife sitting next to me. And I, <laughs> boy, those hands went down fast. But you know what I mean? You have to act in faith and trust God that the gift's there to do it. Now, what happens is you want to try these things in small increments, for increments first because you want to try and, and test out that grace in, this, in a small area because you don't want to make a gigantic decision and step out in faith and then find out that grace wasn't there because you've never learned to cooperate with it. Oh, there's so much more we could say about it. We don't have time tonight. Amen. Let's all stand up on our feet. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. If you don't get anything else out of this tonight, listen, listen. We're here for a reason. We're still here for a reason. God's got a work to do. And he's invited each and every one of us and, uh, and given us the, the ability to each and every one of us to be a part of what he's doing in the earth today. That's what the calling is. The calling, I heard some of you know who Mark Redman, Mark Redman made this statement years ago at a meeting at, uh, in Springfield, Illinois. I'd never heard this before. He said, the, the calling is God's avenue for the manifestation of your giftedness. His calling, that's where your gifting is going to manifest. But, that's, but as you step into your calling, every one of us has a calling. Every one of us has a gift. As you step into that, then that grace is going to operate. But all of us are called to be ministers of reconciliation, sharing the love of God with this world. Father, we thank you tonight for your holy word. Father, thank you for the charismas, the divine endowments of grace that are in each and every child of God. Father, I pray that we'd stir up that gift that's in us. Stir it up, Lord God, and act upon it. Because you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. That sounds like faith to me, God. Thank you, Father God, as we step out and we use the giftings you've given us, Jesus will be lifted up and people will be drawn to him. Give us each opportunities to be a blessing, Father God, as we go from this place tonight and throughout the week. And Father, we thank you for bringing us safely back together. On Wednesday night, we give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If you need prayer tonight, come on down, ladies, to the ladies, men, to the men. They'd be happy to pray with you. We good?
Everybody good? We good with the announcements? We're good? Okay, praise the Lord. God bless you. Have a great, great Sunday night.